You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. It's always a delight and a privilege to have you joining us today here on Getting in the Word. And I pray that today's uh, message will. Uh, be a uh, a delight to you, an encouragement, and a reminder of your need to be made new in Christ. And so if you're joining us for the first time, we want to say welcome uh, to you and to uh, all of those who have uh, been back again and again and again and again and again. And uh, we love having you. It's always a true blessing. So thank you uh, for being here, and uh, we pray today will be a wonderful time for you to grow in the grace, in the knowledge of Christ as we as we open the Word of God as always, uh, thus the, the title, Getting in the Word. And so let us do that very thing this morning. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to be here, to fellowship together, uh, to open your Word together, and to be encouraged by uh, your Word. And so I pray that we will certainly be blessed, that we will certainly uh, be uh, sanctified, grown more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray today uh, for each one here, their circumstances in their life, whatever that may be, God, that you would comfort them with your word, that you would surround them and encourage them that they that they might uh, be changed uh, as they come today. And so I pray this time and these things we ask in the precious and grace, the name Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, again, I want you to know that we've been in the the doctrine of salvation now for several weeks. This is the uh, where we are headed. We started week one with common grace. That was the reality that God uh, bestowed upon the believer and the unbeliever, the righteous and the unrighteous, uh, grace, uh, common grace through what has been created, what is general revelation, that which is special revelation, the living and active Word of God. And then we looked at election and reprobation, and we we know that election is a biblical term. It is a reality, how you deal with that. Uh, we know that the Lamb's Book of Life was written before the foundations of the world, and so God has certainly elected those into salvation before the foundations of the world. The question is, is it unconditional election or conditional election? And thus, we, uh, you have to decide where you stand on that. And then the doctrine of reprobation uh, kind of coincides with unconditional election, meaning that God is selected without any conditions attached other than His sovereign will, His sovereign grace, but there also, he also not only selected those for heaven, but those for hell. And then we looked at union with Christ, and we summed it up in in just one phrase, in Christ. And we looked at all of those passages that permeated the reality that when you are born again, when you are saved, there is union with Christ. Christ is in you. You are no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. And thus, today, we're now going to deal with 
regeneration, week four, regeneration. So what is regeneration mean? Well, I'll give you a couple of definitions that I think you might find helpful. Um, the first definition that we're going to look at is the, the reality that regeneration is the mighty work of God by which unbelievers are given a new nature, born again. Now, that is Greg Allison's definition from the 50 core truths of every, you know, uh, of the Christian doctrine, um, of the Christian faith. And so I encourage you, if you haven't purchased that book, it's a, it'll be a helpful tool for you. Um, he, here's another definition that I came up with. Uh, regeneration is an instantaneous work of the Holy Spirit for which he removes the sinful nature of dead man and imparts a new nature that is now responsive to God. He receives a new life. He is born again. A little more lengthy, but nevertheless, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I'm communicating that this new nature that is now able to be responsive to God. You, you, there is a new life. You, you're born again. So let's discuss some of the passages, and uh, I hope that you'll take these, and maybe you can, over uh, this week, read through each one of them, and uh, I pray that you'll find it a blessing, that they'll encourage you, um, and ultimately that you, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, you will be regenerated, that God will save your soul. And so the reality is, is that's our that's our hope, that's our desire for this program, is that people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So understanding the idea of regeneration, how are you regenerated? Well, number one, you're regenerated by God. We see in uh, John, flipping your Bibles to John, and we'll look at chapter 1, verse 13. Regeneration is an act of Almighty God. He says this in verse 13. I'll start in 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Um, this preassumes that until you are regenerated, until you become a child of God, you're not a child of God. And it is God alone that gives you the ability to be born again. It's him who gives you the right to be born again. And so he says, um, but as many as received them, to, get the, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Listen to what it says in verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Guys, regeneration does not take place because you have done, done some good deed or you have been a, a good person. No, that's not how this thing works. God is a God who saves. God is a God who delivers. God is a God from beginning to end that is the author and perfecter of salvation. And he is the one who grants new life. It is by God that you are regenerated. So how, how else are we regenerated? Well, we're not only regenerated by God, as we see in John 1.13, but we are regenerated by the Spirit of God. 
We see that in Titus chapter 3, and if you know me, you know that's my favorite verse in all the Bible. So let's turn there, Titus 3, 5. Listen to what it says. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Who saved us? He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness. That means, guys, your, your, your good works don't save you. Your deeds don't save you. They don't even help save you. They're simply a byproduct of your salvation if you're truly born again. But according, he says, to his mercy. It was God's mercy. And then he says, by the washing of regeneration. There's our word and renewing by the Holy Spirit. There is that death to life from the power of Satan to God, transformation that takes place when we think about the word regeneration. It ought to be like a light bulb. It was off, and now it's on. It was dead, now it was alive. It's like Lazarus in the tomb. He, he, he was dead, and and, and they said, Lord, he, by now he stinketh. And the Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. Boom, regenerated life. And this, my friends, is not only an act by the will of God, but by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit breathes life. So the reality is, that's an important factor to remember because you notice I haven't said anything about you, what you've done, what you've accomplished, because it's not about you. This cultural Christianity of the day, we've made it about us, but nevertheless, it isn't about us. But you may be asking, well, is it necessary to be regeneration? Well, yeah, it's very necessary to be regenerated if you want to live in the presence of Almighty God for eternity. The question isn't, do you want to live for eternity? Everybody will live for eternity. The question is, where will you live? You know, uh, here's the reality. When you look at a dead person in the casket, there's a shell. The soul is gone. There's a shell. The question is heaven or hell. Those are That's what we should be concerned about. So must we be born again? Yes. John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's important. That is vital. So how is one regenerated? If we must be regenerated, then how is one? Well, by the word of God. Romans chapter 10, flip over there. That'll be a great verse for us to consider. Romans chapter 10. I have to be careful not to preach too loud or too long because I have a funeral and I want a voice. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Guys, listen. This idea that you can have some church service, that you can have some revival, that you can have some kind of national turnaround apart from the living and active Word of God regenerating the soul is, is, a, is a facade. It is a it is a uh, an image on the horizon that seems to be delightful, but as you approach it, you never can accomplish it. It, it, it's like the cheese is dangled in front of a rat that's running on the wheel. He runs and runs and runs until he grows weary. Listen, if you think for a second this world would be turned around 
without the regenerated hearts and by the power of God, through the power of the Spirit, in connection with God's living and active words, you are sadly mistaken. You can talk about the vibrations. You can talk about the megahertz. You can talk about the positive influence and the power of words. But let me remind you about the power of the word. The living word of God is what transforms lives. And if we want change in this world, then we must preach the word of God, for it is the power to save. So what should be the effect of regeneration? Well, if you are regenerated by God, by the Spirit, through His Word, you are born again because you must be, what should be the effect? Well, the Bible says you are made new. Can I ask you an honest question this morning? Are you a new creation in Christ? Or are you one who claims Christ, yet continually walking in your sin? Are you continually, habitually not changed by the fact your words speak, your deeds speak louder than your words? Because I am reminded here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away Behold, the new have come. You, you must be reborn. You must be regenerated, my friend. You say, Pastor, I am. I say, okay, well, is there change? Well, not really. Well, there must be. Now, you know, if I was late to my funeral today and I approached him and I said, I'm really sorry I'm late. You know, I was I got a flat tire and I stepped out in the street and a semi-truck hit me as I was changing the tire and all the lug nuts scattered everywhere. He was he must have been traveling 55 miles an hour and he hit me head on. So I had to get up and dress myself off and and then I had to get all my lug nuts that were scattered all over the place and put my tire on and and then I and, and, and then I and then I had to make it here. So I, I apologize for me. They would look at me like I was a lying fool. Why? Because the reality is this. If I would have genuinely been hit by a semi-truck, there would have absolutely been physical change. Well, let me tell you this. If God, the one who created life, the one who breathed into your nostrils the breath of life, the one who warned from the day you eat, you will surely die, and humanity began to die. If he has made you new, if you are regenerated, if you are born again, if you are made new, there will be change because he is almighty God, and he who began a good work will see it to completion. So let not this modern day easy believism with no heart change, no life change, no, no uh, effect be, be covered up and hidden, buried because it is dead. Faith without works, without change, my friends, is dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, we are reminded, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It is a work of God, isn't it? It is a work of God, and when God changes you, you are genuinely changed, my friends. Colossians chapter 
2, verse 13, reminds us that when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out our, our certificate of debt, consisting of the decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to a cross. The cross. We need to memorize that verse, my friends, because so many in their day are struggling. Oh, you know, I lived a bad life. I, I did this when I was a young person or I sinned. No, no, no. Read that verse over and over and over until it confirms to you that you have been set free. You are no longer under the bondage of sin. You are no longer captivated by your past because while you're regenerated, you're made new. And that's important to be reminded of. So listen, the effects of your regeneration is that you are a new creation in Christ. So when you're born again and the Lord saves you, the reality is, my friends, you are new. You are made new. So how should regeneration change? How should regeneration change your life? Well, my friends, listen, because you are new, because you are connected to the vine, you are the vine, he is the branch. I'm the vine, you are the branch, sorry. You should be bearing fruit. You need to be having a fruitful life in Christ. Well, you say, Pastor, I, I just prayed a prayer and I feel saved, but I don't really do anything for the Lord. No, 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 no. The Bible says you will know them by their fruits. What kind of fruit are you producing as a, quote, Christian? What kind of fruit are you producing? First John chapter 2, verse 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Listen, I don't need to hear, right, that someone's a Christian. I can see it. You don't have to tell me you are a believer and follower of Christ, because when I meet you, I will know it, because what's in you will come out. And that's the reality of bearing fruit. You will know them by their fruit. If somebody doesn't know that you have a relationship with Christ, they don't know that you're born again, that you are regenerated, that Jesus Christ is indwelling in you because you have a union with Christ. Let me tell you, my friend, you may have nothing. Because an inward profession always results in outward confession. You should be bearing fruit. It's important. Philippians reminds us here in chapter 2, verse 13, when it says, So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasures. If the creator of the universe is in you and he is at work in you, you can't help but bear fruit. 
your own fruit should testify to your conscience that you are truly born again. Because let me tell you what the biggest lie the devil has sold to American people is that they've prayed a prayer and they're saved. Listen, if there is no fruit, there is no root. And if there is no root, it is dead. So let me ask you a question. Are you bearing fruit? Listen, when you become saved, when you become regenerated, you become powerfully determined. Why? Because you have been regenerated. And regeneration is to be defined as a, as a new start, as a new inclination toward holiness by the Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, 22 and, or 21 and 22, although you were previously alienated and hostile in attitude, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His body of flesh through death in order to present you before Him, holy and blameless beyond reproach. So we once were this, and now because of our faith in Christ and our union with Christ and our regeneration, we are now this. We are a cre new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Listen, the, the, the Reformed theologist, uh, the Calvinist theology holds that regeneration precedes conversion. Arminian theology maintains that conversion precedes regeneration. Calminian theology holds the idea that both faith, conversion, regeneration, and the indwelling uh, of the Holy Spirit happen all simultaneously. Another word, when you put your faith in Christ, it is an immediate change. God saves you. He lives in you, He regenerates you, all of it happens inherently in the moment you put your faith in Christ. Another word for regeneration is rebirth. It sheds light on the idea that you must be born again. Our rebirth, listen, is different from our first birth. When we were conceived physically, we inherited our sin nature, right? We see that in Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, so death spread to all mankind because all have sinned. Every single one in the sound of my voice, for however long this is out there, you are a sinner in need of God's grace. And if you die in that state, the Bible says in Isaiah 59, 2, your sins have made a separation between you and your God. And you, like Adam and Eve, were told, unless corrected, you would die eternally, physically, spiritually separated from God in eternity in a place called hell. So let me ask you a question. Have you repented of your sins? Have you turned to God and believed the gospel? Listen, regeneration deals with transfer. The new birth is a spiritual, holy, and, 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 and heavenly birth that results in our being made alive spiritually. Man in his natural state, dead in their trespasses and sins, listen, until he is made alive, made alive regenerated by Christ, he is spiritually dead and you must be regenerated. This happens when you place your faith in Christ. What's preventing you today from putting your faith in Jesus? He hit the bullseye 
He never sinned. He was sinless, and he died in your place that you might have life. And the Bible says, for whoever will call upon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. What are you waiting for? There's no promise for tomorrow. Death is on the hunt, my friends, and it has no respecter of persons. It will kill you. And where you stand in the midst of eternity will be determined of how you deal with the gospel. Because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9, I think, that he will be dealing out retribution to those who do not believe God or do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word regeneration is used only twice in the Bible. We see it in Titus 3, 5, where it refers to the new birth. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to the mercy, washing of regeneration, and renewing the Holy Spirit. The second place we see it is used in Matthew 19, 28, where it refers to the millennial kingdom. It's the idea of renewal, the concept of being born again is found in other passages, notably John 3 in relation to Nicodemus. And Christ calls him to what? You must be born again. Regeneration is the act of God creating eternal life in those who believe in Jesus Christ. You see, while faith and regeneration are closely associated, the two ideas are distinct. Faith being the human responsibility and the channel through which God's grace is received. And regeneration being God's supernatural act of imparting eternal life. And I believe these two happen together. Now, the Reformed position, and I understand why I hold this view, suggests that salvation begins with an act of election, second, a call, third, regeneration. It's only then and only then that you can have the fourth stage, which is faith and repentance, and then ultimately, number five, justification. It seems to me trying to place one of these or this idea in chronological order before one or the other is unnecessary. It's like an academic exercise when it is a work of God trying to surgically remove two from each other. It seems unbeneficial. God is going to save, and your understanding of the order of salutus or the order of salvation will play no part in someone being saved or lost. And if you think that is indeed the case, the, the, the knowledge becomes the prefix that leads men into salvation. Listen, that is equally heretical. The argument is that since a man is dead in his trespasses, then he cannot be believed. God must first regenerate him in order that he may believe. But if that were true, that is, if he had already been regenerated and thus been given the gift of eternal life, then why would he need to believe? Why would he need faith if that's not faith? Galatians 3.26 says, you are sons of God through faith. The two must be immediate. This act of regeneration takes place when the word of God, through the working of the Spirit of God, and the proclamation of his word and faith in Christ and belief takes place. So the reality is this. This indwelling Spirit of God gives us ten things. When you are regenerated, you are born again, you are made new. 
when you accept Christ as your Savior, Romans 10, 9 to 13, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, bringing with him an eternal life, entire new life of love and relationship and service to the Lord. And if you are born again, my friend, you will bear fruit. The indwelling of the Spirit comes to a soul dead in sin and creates new life, Titus 3, 5. The indwelling Spirit confirms to the believer that he belongs to the Lord and that he is an heir of God and a fellow heir with Christ, Romans 8, 15 to 17. The indwelling Spirit, my friend, installs the new believer as a member of Christ's universal church. This is the baptism of the Spirit according to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The indwelling Spirit gives spiritual gifts to the believer for the edification of the church and to serve the Lord effectively for His glory, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. The indwelling of the Spirit, listen, helps the believer understand and apply the Scriptures to his daily life, 1 Corinthians 2, 12. The indwelling of the Spirit enriches the believer's prayer life and intercedes for him in prayer, Romans 8, 26 and 27. The indwelling Spirit empowers the yielded believer to live for Christ, to do His will, to accomplish His purpose, Galatians 5, 16. And the Spirit leads the believer in paths of righteousness, Romans 8, 14. Indwelling Spirit, listen, gives evidence of new life produced in the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the believer, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. The indwelling Spirit is grieved when the believer sins, Ephesians 4, 30, and he is convicting the believers to confess his sin to the Lord so that he will be faithful and fellowship is restored, 1 John 1, 9. And lastly, listen, the indwelling of the Spirit, my friend, seals the believer into the day of redemption so that the believer's arrival in the Lord's presence is guaranteed for he goes to prepare a place for us. And if he goes and prepare a place, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I'm there, you may be also. Listen, you have a choice to make in this life. And it is by the truth of God's word that he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. He has prepared a place. For you who will believe. So let me ask you a question today. Have you put your faith in Christ? Have you been born again? The Bible says you lack one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Father, we thank you for this message today. We thank you for your word. And we pray that it would be used in a way that would honor you and glorify your name. For we know that there is no other name among men by which we must be saved. And so thank you, Father, and we ask these things in Christ's name. This has been Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. And be sure to visit us online at familybiblefellowship.org. And come see us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m.